You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. I'm back. Greg Hector. Hey, it's not Thursday. And special guest, Nick Williams. Hey, everybody. Hey, welcome. Today's uh, special guest spot brought to you by SimLab. Make sure to check them out for all your SimLab racing products. They, uh, they are at sim-lab.eu. All right, Nick, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, you just uh, recently uh, joined our team, uh, Team Tafosi, and uh, of course we want to get you on and, and learn a little bit more about you. Um, so let's go to the beginning. Uh, tell us about the first time you heard the word iRacing and what did you do about it? So the first time I heard iRacing was probably 2013 or 14. I was running Xbox League, and a bunch of the guys on there started making the switch, building PCs and going over to iRacing. Um, I wanted in. I wanted to do something more realistic than than a console league. Um, I felt like I was good enough to do it, and it just took until this year to finally have the funds and the time to make it happen. Okay, so you're new to iRacing. This is, uh, I would say, your rookie year, right? Yes. Yeah, I didn't get on here until March. Okay. Now, you actually have some real uh, racing experience a bit. Uh, tell us about that. Yep. So I'm up here in Michigan, and I race four-cylinder Hornet cars, front-wheel drive. I have a Cavalier, and I run dirt tracks around the area, and I'll hopefully be running some asphalt next year. I'll have two four-cylinders to run, so I'll be running one on dirt, at I-96 Speedway and Thunderbird Raceway, and I'll hopefully be running the other one at Berlin Raceway. All right. And I was looking at your uh, profile, you know, like when you started with the team. You're looking at your winning percentage, you're at 5.9% on oval, uh, dirt oval 8.7%. And you have an I rating right where I sit. Uh, Greg and I uh, and David all have about the same I rating as you. And that's pretty darn good for the first year. Um, and then with your you know, real life experience, I, I think you're certainly got uh, somewhere to go. Yeah, that's the hope. I, I got on here and uh, I really haven't done much else, especially with the racing season ending. I kind of just binged this and then uh, I'll be running go-karts indoor on Tuesday nights. But I just kind of binge racing to keep, you know, the muscle memory and whatnot alive. You know, keep looking ahead. So many car lengths stay in shape for next season. Okay. Now, we talked about you joining the team. You've been racing with us and, and me specifically uh, a few races now. Tell me what's different than when you're by yourself or whatever, but when you're in that team environment, you're in team speak, maybe even running with people that are in the same split. How is it different? Is it better or worse? I like it a lot better. Um, you know, running that first race I did with you, I, I was struggling at Texas. I had never run there on this, and I was struggling to figure out on long run what to do with the car in terms of getting it to rotate. You know, I didn't know that dragging the brake in one and two would actually help it a little bit, just trail braking just a little bit, and you were showing me that by, you know, what you were doing, and I could obviously see you making gains, and then when I did it, I started to make gains as well, and so just being able to bounce ideas off one each other and watch each other in the race doing it seems to help tremendously. All right, very good. Uh, so you're obviously running the NASCAR iRacing series. Uh, tell us what else are you running? Any leagues or uh, hosted or other events? Yep. So on Saturday nights, I run the SCRA Throwback Series, which runs the K&N cars and has kind of a fantasy 03 
Winston Cup Series kind of schedule to it. So we'll run a variety of road courses that you wouldn't have on the schedule, but we'll also run a variety of tracks that were on the schedule back then that aren't now, like where I got my first win at Rockingham, the K&N car. And then on Mondays, I spot for a K&N for Extreme Motorsports 99 through Jacob Bell Racing. Okay. So you're a busy guy. All right. And uh, what the next question here was about the tire model. Now, we usually ask about that because people coming off the 2018 A-Cup car package going into the 2019 package, it's quite a difference in horsepower and, 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 what, and drag and whatnot. So uh, you're, you've started in March, so you've only been on the new package. Have you ever tried the old car is my question, the 2018 A-Cup car? And, and if you have, what do you think about it? Or uh, this might be, you know, good for you that you don't, you know, know what that car used to be like and you're starting fresh. Yeah, I really haven't run that older car. I mean, I want to say it probably handled similar to the B-Fixed cars I run or the, the Xfinity cars on here in terms of horsepower. But obviously with the tire models and even I think the tire model right now is still off from what you see on Sunday. So um, I've really just tried to keep my mind clear of that and differentiate you know, the two to how I know. All right, let's shift gears and talk hardware, software. What hardware are you running? Monitors, VR, uh, third-party software? Yeah, that's actually where I'm really a rookie. Um, I'm running a TV, an HDMI. It's a Sony 42-inch TV that a friend gave me that he said had a flickering issue. Um, I haven't really had any flickering issue with it, so I got lucky on that, I guess. And then for wheels and pedals, I'm just running the stock Logitech G920. Um but definitely looking to upgrade after trying some other friends' rigs in the future here. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit, and uh, of course you got to have somewhere to mount it. What do you got going there? Well, right now the TV and the wheel and everything's on on an office desk. I took the center slot out of it so I could get the clamp around it for the wheel. So I'm sitting maybe 12 to 16 inches TV screen, so it kind of strains the eyes after a while. Um, but it's stable enough, and there's a piece of wood on the desk that holds the pedals for moving so i don't have any movement issues so i can control it yeah it's always uh, fun to try to plot out your hardware and what you're going to get when and uh, you'll love it but uh what about uh, software I, you know you got team speak uh, anything else um pretty much team speak and discord i did download um sim racing apps and i know i'm gonna have to have david help me with that because i'm having a hard time getting it set up the way i want Yes, I definitely am running sim racing apps and recommend that, at least for the pit road countdown to it'll say five, four, three, two, one, to your box. And, and the beep. The beep really helped. The, the beep has helped. I was just in a race, and the guy in front speeding. of me. Yeah, the guy in front of me was uh, was just in front of me and the, also in the boxes. And so I, didn't, I never saw my pit board and just stopped based on the countdown and was able to stop. Yeah, you get to where you trust it and you listen for it and... All right. Uh, and then I guess my next question on hardware, as you're looking ahead, um, which way are you going as far as VR or monitor? It's it's kind of a toss up. I, I think I'd like triple monitors just because I hear a lot of good things about them. And it seems to be kind of the tried and true method. Um, VR still be quite new. And I hear a lot of people that like it. And I also hear a lot of people that complain about it. And I've also heard that there's um, no idea what kind of health risks it posts on the eyes and you know strain in that in that area yeah good point i mean you got those little screens inches from your eyeball and i mean who knows uh david you run a lot of races with those goggles on do you are you ever worried about that 
it's more comfortable than looking at the screen further away and i have to wear reading glasses but i don't with with the oculus so as far as i can tell it's not straining my eyes uh my eyes bother me more on a typical school day than they do on when i'm at home racing all day yeah okay so you you've been on uh, i racing since uh, march till now we're in november uh, so far, what is your most memorable iRacing moment? Well, I really think it happened uh, quite early. I was be the Coke 600 NIS race, you know, being the longest one we do all season. And me being a rookie, I didn't expect anything to come out of it. But uh, I was able to mind my P's and Q's and stay out of the way. And by the end of that thing, with nine to go, I took the lead, went on to win it. And um, I don't think I've topped that yet. Do you feel like you have a better sense of racecraft and big picture with your real life racing experience? I feel like I can see what's going to play out a little bit better because I've seen more scenarios um, and I have an idea of what I need to do, but executing still, I think, where I lack a little bit. I can see it coming, but I don't always know exactly what I need to do to get through it because I haven't been in that position enough yet. Yeah, that's just getting laps and uh, experience, as they call it. All right, very good. Uh, We talked a little bit about goals for next year. we talked about the iRacing uh, Road to Pro, the truck series, every other week. Uh, we also talked about NIS, the 36-week season. Uh, what is uh, specifically are your goals for 2020? Well, I definitely want to be um, – I don't know how much of a contender I'll be in Road to Pro. I only ran one race this year as a trial, and I got wrecked 18 laps in. Um, so that wasn't a good taste for, for that, but – Hopefully running the whole season next year and with the continued work with you guys and the continued racecraft and seat time, um, I could get a win or two in Road to Pro and maybe I'll finish in the top 20 in points over there. Um, in terms of NIS, you know, I've won the Coke 600. I'd like to repeat that next year. Um, I'd like to get a couple short track wins because I run short tracks in real life, so I feel like I have a fairly good idea how to run those. And um, I'd like to really figure out open setups and be useful in terms of contributing to those with you guys for next year in NIM. All right. Very good. Yeah. Even if you don't make the top 20, I think it's a good uh, learning experience maybe for the next year or if you, you know, if you're not uh, at that caliber yet, but uh, good luck to you. And uh, we're happy to have you on the team. Um, I'm certainly impressed that you were able to come up the, through the I rating oval series uh, as quick as you have. That's a bit unusual. Um, for most drivers uh, now with you having some uh, you know real life experience I'm sure that's weighed into it yeah I'm really happy to be here and I'm hoping that that did have part of it I think you know I, I just had to figure out where to put myself to make it to the end was was the biggest part of getting those getting up into these higher splits where you can kind of start to run towards the front and there's lessons right yeah, I mean, we we got into that Texas race and we thought it was going to be a caution fest, but it ended up being green for quite a while, and uh, and and so it it can be different as you go up in those uh, as you go up in splits. All right, well, uh, Nick Williams, thanks for uh, coming on. Let's uh, keep moving. Uh, before we jump into uh, topics, we want to mention that iRacers Lounge is sponsored uh, sponsoring the Podium Esports oval series which goes xfinity and trucks on the same track at the same time i think they have a couple uh, more left so check them out all right right in the news greg we got first rallycross so the thrustmaster iRacing rally rallycross world championship uh visited the ism raceway kind of convenient that it's in the same week that we're uh, going to be at ism but uh for round five uh it looks uh like mitchell de jong uh won his uh eighth or had his eighth win of the season 
or he wins with an eight second lead. Sorry, that was my bad. Um, uh, he took the whole shot at the beginning of the race. Uh, led most of uh, most of the time. The leader takes the joker on the first lap, but he didn't. Um, and then went through on the second time by. Oh, sorry, that was uh, Trogan went by went by on the second time, and Mitchell uh, had already gapped him, so it didn't matter. Uh, you, Johan Har uh, touched the tires and spun out on lap four. Um, I watched the thing quickly here with a recap. I didn't uh, see this race, but uh, the recap looked like it uh, had uh, shown pretty well. Um, pretty good recap with it, with all the accidents and uh, a lot of the changes. It looked like uh, some of the things we were talking about last week where we missed uh, some of the passes. They at least got it covered this time. Yeah, I can tell. I, I don't know if I can tell, but somebody different is uh, put together the video on this because it was good coverage. Like you said, they had replays of incidents when there was an incident. We got to see a replay of it. Uh, there were really good use of onboard cameras showing battles uh, back and forth between you know two or three guys that were running for the same spot. I was pretty uh, impressed. Uh, it's for, for Rallycross. I mean, the first lap or two is usually the part to watch, but uh, there was some action when Johan made that uh, mistake on lap four. But, but yeah, Mitchell uh, got the whole shot and won it. You know, and uh, they were saying you know, the announcers are kind of alluding to the fact that Trogan might have made a mistake by not taking the Joker the first time by, and he did it the second time by when everyone else did it the first time, and that kind of put him back in traffic, and he never really recovered. It's it's so easy to second guess afterwards, right? Well, they were second guessing him right during the show, but uh, uh, that he didn't take it the first time, and I guess that's part of the strategy over there. That you know they don't pit or anything, but the strategy is when do you take that joker? You got to take it once uh, per race. All right, let's keep moving. We had the Pro Series run at Richmond. Uh, Cody Bias uh, was looking good. He led most of the laps early on. I think he had the pole as well. Uh, Alfala, Keister, Michael Guest, uh, Lion, uh, Santiago Tires, uh, Allen uh, were all running top 10, those guys, uh, in the early part of the race. It was an 80 lap green flag run, and that was uh, something to see. And then there were some cautions. It seemed like Ryan Lowe was a magnet for cautions. Uh, he was involved in two in a row there. Uh, one, he took it three wide going to one and wiped out the other two uh, on the outside. It was really ugly. Uh, the other one was a three wide deal that he got into, and that was more of a racing deal. He was kind of in the middle. But um, And then there was another incident later he got in, uh, involved in. But Ryan Lowe uh, was the guy to watch. Uh Toward the end of the race, there were lots of different cautions. Logan Crest got loose once. Uh, no one hit him. Uh, Bolin, uh, Graham Bolin gets the lead of about 30 to go from Bias, and that was the, the moving, uh, the win of the race right there, the move of the race. But uh, nobody could get Bolin after that, and he ends up winning. Uh, there were different people on different tires there at the end that was kind of making it interesting. Uh, Ray Alfala was one of those marching back up on newer tires in front of him. Uh, with 14 to go, John Gorlinsk, uh, who was our uh, Daytona winner and our points leader coming into this race, uh, turned himself off Timmy Hill's nose uh, and uh, kind of like that Noah Gragson incident last week where uh, Noah in the Xfinity series took himself out where he was trying to shoot the gap between the guy on the inside and the guy on the outside and there wasn't quite a gap. It was the same kind of thing. Uh, then after that, Overland and Alfala had the newest tires in the top 10. 10 to go restart, and then another quick yellow. Ethan Lane got spun, and Ryan Lowe hit him hard at the end. Uh, Michael Guest makes a move from top to bottom 
uh, and, I, and Cody Bias gets spun on the restart as they stacked up on the bottom, and then Ray tapped and spun off. He quickly went from first to 37th. Uh, which was a real bummer for uh, Cody Bias because, you know, he did have the pole. He led the most laps. He was the car to beat, I think. But uh, at the end, Grand Bolum wins. Uh, Keister second, Guest third, Lion fifth, uh, Lion fourth, uh, fifth, McCollum, Alfala sixth, Overland seventh. Uh, there was a huge wreck uh, farther back with about a dozen cars as they crossed the uh, crossed the checker at the you know, final lap. It looked like Talladega, guys. There were cars thrown everywhere. I missed the, this race because of I've been working a lot this week. But uh, sounds like it was a another entertaining race. Do you think that this series is a lot more competitive than the peak sometimes? I think it's interesting that we're seeing different people migrating to the front each week. Uh, but this week, it would happen to be dead zone racing. Uh, they got the top four spots, and uh, so so they're the, the guys to beat, I guess. But um, I don't know. You know, it's fun to watch. It's much like the Peak Series. I, I mean, if you weren't uh, a follower, you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference. If somebody said this was the Peak Race, you would say, okay. So do you think they're... Um... What do you say? There is it. Is it going to be that? Do you think we're going to see from week to week here that it just depends on which team hits on the the setup type thing, and uh, it, you know you're going to see teams prevail as a whole group instead of you know singling out one guy at a time, one guy or another. Yeah, I think we're seeing that every week how uh, the winner hits hits on a set, you know, like Ray did at Atlanta um, and those guys, and then you know this week it was uh, dead zone racing, so. There's still going to be tracks that favor certain drivers too, certain styles, especially when you're dealing with short tracks. I think this is only seven weeks too, so we got to remember that. But uh, Graham Bolin gets it done, and I uh, messaged Graham. He is going to be a guest next week on the podcast. He's going to come on and uh, talk talk about his win and uh, what's going on with him. So uh, we're happy to have him. They only get one week per race to prepare, right? Yeah, it's every week. Uh, that's pretty. That definitely puts a little bit more pressure on the setup, guys. Let's keep moving. Uh, David, uh, 2020 World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series Qualifier. Okay. <coughs> See that I was on the script. Greg, you must have assigned me, ninja me, but I'm pulling it up. Oh, I wasn't on the script. Okay, but here's the information. The 2020 Season 1 World of Outlaw Sprint Cup Series, which begins Monday on December 9th. Uh, that's going to be at 9. Well, it, it just says Eastern Daylight Time, but we don't have a time indicated here. Um, it's a sole qualifying series for entry into the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Championship Series. And the series is going to run the standard four trip, 410 Sprint Car Series during the 2020 Season 1. So if you like to run dirt and you want to try to get into the World of Outlaws, uh, this is the series you need to run. I think it's really cool that you, all you have to do is just run the normal official series during Season 1 for the 12 weeks. And you're, you know, if you qualify, you're in. I mean, it's really that simple. So top 20 make it in points. Um, and if they're not eligible, the spot will go to the next available point position, like 21st, 22nd, and so forth. Uh, they're going to have heat races in there. Um, it's your normal uh, split by I rating. The heat racing is entertaining to watch. It's um, not always necessarily fun to race because we do it every once in a while in the Reddit League. And when you're not in the heat, you're just sitting there watching. Well, when they use an official series like this that run every hour or every two hours or whatever it is, isn't there uh, the worry about them stacking the field or doing a, you know, um, playing games like that? 
Um, it would be. I don't know how the heat system can be played. I don't have enough experience running at dirt tracks to be able to answer that question. No, what I mean is like you and your team and your buddies, you uh, go in the middle of the night and run the World of Outlaw, you know, event where you guys are the only ones and then you let a certain guy win. And that's what I meant. Because there's so many different events you you can get your points in. They're every two hours. Haven't they mentioned in the past that they'll watch for something like that and actually uh, intervene if, yeah. if something along those lines ha- happens? Yeah, and they want the community to police it too by you know speaking up if they see that. So, but that is uh, the downside of using the official series, you know, for a qualifier. Which is what it used to be, is always using those series before, you know, we had the Road to Pros and stuff like that show up. It always used to be, you know, take the top, I think it the top 250 was qualified for being getting a pro license. And then you had to be, do some, I couldn't remember, I can't remember the whole format, but then they used to uh, pick uh, from that to uh, fill out the pro field but before they, you know, do what they do now. There is a third option. You know, it sounds like, you know, we have Road to Pro, which is one race. And then we have the choice of using an entire official series, which has events every two hours. You could also schedule a series that runs about as often as NIS, and that might help prevent some of this. Right. Four or five times a week. 30, 40 right. times a week. The, um, the Le Mans endurance season runs three three times a week, I think, or four. Uh, you know, so you have to kind of pick and choose there because it's a six-hour race. So they, that, that would be an option that would help protect against that. But if they run it and it doesn't get abused, I suppose they could. They don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it doesn't matter anyway. If they get in there and they can't hold their own, they'll be at the back. So let's keep moving. Tell us about Shane Meal. I haven't heard that name for a long time. Yeah, I heard, uh, I've heard him on the radio a few times recently. He definitely had a severe accident in a midget a long time ago. Uh, uh, pretty severely disabled. Definitely has a lot more challenges in life than than he did before, and he seem, he has a really positive outlook about it. But there's a gun phone or a go, gun phone, a go phone set up for Shaneville, uh, and they're basically working on putting him on the virtual track to get him the right hardware he needs uh, as a quadriplegic to race, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the process of setting up a Twitch channel, and it'll be very inspiring to watch him run. Yeah, they already got $4,000 is what they raised. So they got enough to get him the uh, the wheel and everything that he needs. The one with the rims on it for the throttle and the brake. It's, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, it's going to be all hand controls, right? Yeah, so, so I think it's a hand control. They had a picture of it. It was a closed yeah. group, but we lost the link. Is he so, quad, if he's quadriplegic or is he is he now just biplegic? Or that's not the right word. I but, thought he was quad, Does he have use of his hands? Sure. Maybe um, partially. I'm guessing if he, he's got to have use of something to, to participate on this, unless there's something that they're really developing to try and get him, you know, to do it. But I think it's got to be at least he has got to be able to have movement of something. I had a former teammate uh, way back in the R Factor days who ran with a controller that just had a, it was kind of almost like your old Atari controller that you used in the racing games. He would turn a wheel and pull a trigger for the for the throttle because he could he he was very limited in even how much he could use his hands but he could control his hands he really couldn't lift his arms but he could control his hands and so that was how he raced yeah we talked about carlos fonseca last week on last week's show he runs with a controller and his high ratings like almost five thousand. but uh pretty cool for shane meal uh i mean uh, a guy who used to be a 
a, a hot rod racer. He was in the Xfinity series for a while, and I think the trucks. And uh, but yeah, he got uh, hurt bad in the midgets. And uh, it's neat that he can get on the track and enjoy it. And uh, and it's neat that people you know came together and got him what he needed to do it. So pretty cool. It's good on the community. You know, we've we've noticed how good the community is when we had when we tried to do that uh, for Chris's wife and a while, uh, a little bit ago. Uh, the community really steps up when it needs to. Yeah, absolutely. Let's keep moving, Greg. We it's patch time, and this is very it's it's odd to see a patch this far in. Like it must be something that would, obviously we got one part here that it definitely need to be patched. But uh, so it's they uh, did a patch this morning. So anybody that uh, hasn't been on the sim, uh, you'll have to get on and update. But uh, so just a little bit overview of some things that they fixed. So there's some rendering issues they fixed for uh, shadows and mapping for the inside the cockpit. Um, some lighting issues for the dirt tracks um, and some sun or some sun uh, that could fail for blooming for lighting issues. Um, now they have a thing in here about the new damage model, uh, I guess on the skip cars. Um, they just did some updates to how the, the track and the car interact together and, and then just the surface of smoothing out the surface of how the cars um, drive on tracks over specific rough patches and curbing things like that um and it looks like they changed some spots where it gets a trigger uh when you have an incident just maybe to make smooth that out um some other things that were done uh the silverado 2013 um and the falcon where the ford falcon had some stuff done to it uh and then the charlotte motor speedway the track logo um has been added with non-roval track configuration selected and then uh, Daytona International Speedway have fixed uh, track surface. But I guess the biggest fix uh, that they're trying to do here is... Oh, the damage s- model. Yeah. So now this other part here, uh, they're having problems with the skippy causing events to crash. So um, they have posted on the iRacer support uh, Twitter page that um, they've disabled the skip barber racing series to stop this from happening for a while yeah so, so what happened fix it yeah yesterday was release and they broke the skippy with the da- new damage model changes and the reason they do a release this late in the season is they can because there's no uh risk because it's only affecting one car in one series so it doesn't affect all the rest of the the service if they make changes just to one car so that's why they get away with doing a late patch like this. But anyway, they broke it completely. So they canceled the series yesterday through the evening. Uh, and then this morning, they put out a hot patch to fix it. And it's So so that means, obviously, they, they, there was obviously some outcry that we haven't you know seen on the Skippy with some of those damage things causing the racing to be on not very good. So they thought about doing this uh, fix, too. And then they had to do more to it, I guess, right? Yeah, I, and I like it. I, I'm glad that they're uh, not waiting till the 13th week to to release their updates. Uh, if they release them now, they can work on them between now and the 13th and put out a different update. So I'm glad they're doing this, and it's okay if it breaks it. Uh, I mean, yeah, some people were inconvenienced yesterday, but they were quick to fix it. It's good to see that they're still, you know, they're tweaking away because that Skippy with the crash model is is really important too to get that right, right? So it's good that they've, you know, try this now and. You know, if it doesn't work, then they can figure out something else, right? Well, to get it perfected, I think, before they move on to other cars. So you think that because they're doing this, this is something that they really wanted to check um, so that maybe when we get to the next build, they're actually going to maybe release it on more cars? Who knows? 
But they're working on it, you obviously can tell, because that's what this release was really about. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Greg, a new Chevy. So it looks like Again? Uh, 20, uh, 2020 Cup car. I'm guessing this was, they're, they're releasing the new Chevy body, like this new body style for the Camaro and the Cup series. Um, it looks like what they've done to smooth the front end out. It took that point out of the front end. and So they can push? And I'm wondering if it's moved the, I don't know if you can see in the picture here, but the, where the Chevy symbol is, it looks like they've moved that instead of being, you know, like a ledge in a, in a, inside there, like where there's, you know, air can go in and flow. It looks like they've moved it out towards the symbol. So it's not as, you know, of a sharp angle. Maybe it's an aerodynamic thing that they figured that they got to do. Um, but yeah, so probably going to have to have that rescan for uh, the start of next season, I'm guessing. But it's still... I don't know that it's pointy, but it's still not a flat nose. It's still a curved nose, so pushing still to be a challenge if you hit it at the wrong angle. Well, if they want it to look like the real car, it has to be pointed somewhere, right? That car has got a pointed nose, and that's what it is. It's barely got a point. It does. Yeah, it's it's like it's pointy, but you know the the edges, the sides are definitely still peeled really far back. Well, remember, this is just an interim gap until we get to the new car in 2021. Uh, and then who knows what we're going to have there. Well, with the way that F1 and them are going with their 2021, NASCAR's got to do a big thing, too, for theirs. Why well, I find it interesting that they did anything with this new body for next year at all, other than the fact that Chevrolet's really been struggling with this uh, with this new Camaro the last couple of years. Throw my bone. I'm really guessing it's got to be, an air, there has to be an aerodynamic advantage of why they're changing that front end a bit. So it's obviously going to benefit them. They figure it's going to benefit them next season. And I'll be interested to see with that if iRacing even takes the time to update the Camaro again. Knowing there's another new car coming? Yeah, with such a short time. I mean, we'll only have a year to run it, or and it'll Not be less than that. a year. Because by the time they get it scanned and get it updated, it'll probably be, what, next April? Yeah, it's yeah. usually like May or June Yeah, it'll when be we get the, these cars. It'll be the second, second season build, right? It'll never, it won't hit the first one. Because it wouldn't have been on the track. Weren't we still running the SS for a year or two when the Camaro was out? Yeah, there's times when it doesn't get updated quickly either. That's true. But I think now there's there's a point to where they're... It's not like they're forced, but... I think there's a partnership more. The partnership now says that, you know, we got to get this done. So I'm guessing they, they're going to find... And maybe... I was thinking of this. It's probably easier for them to get it scanned more now... Because right. there's teams working in the peak series, right? We got like NBC an actual... and broadcasting. But you even got the teams like, okay, so say you'd want to do the Ford Mustang again or something. You got Wood Brothers that's in there, right? You got like all these teams that are actual teams. They got to, they want to show their car off. I'm sure they're going to be part of it. I would bet that iRacing wants will get this scanned pronto and in the service pronto before the peak series runs. That's my guess. Because if NBC is going to pick up the broadcast like everyone hopes, uh, Chevy's going to want their 2020 car shown there, not the old one. And it costs them nothing to have, like, it, it costs... It costs Chevy nothing, right? Yeah, it costs Chevy nothing to have their car visually shown on a sim, on a sim right? There's nothing that they're paying for to it to being on there, right? Yeah. Well, Richard Childress Racing has always been a... Uh, one we get scans from, I believe, for Chevy, so I'm sure it'll continue. Let's keep moving. Greg, uh, how about a Pikes Peak hill climb? So Pikes Peak is 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 an interesting track, and the way, the way it is, although the hill climb, I guess, it, you know, it's it's one of those point time trials. It's a time trial, yeah, point A, point B. And it's, um, 
it's done with all kinds of different classes and all kinds of different cars and it's it's held i think it's there's two different weekends or something they do a trial weekend and then an actual weekend i think if i remember correctly but i could be wrong um but anyways the um it was posed in our forms uh if this would be even an uh, an option due to try and you know you set your lap time and somebody else tries to beat it uh, it was Michael Henry Jr. that uh, po posed this question, but I honestly don't think that the Pikes Peak hill climb is feasible to do because it's a very long track, so scanning it would be pretty invasive or like pretty hard for iRacing to do. But it also wouldn't make like they have trouble rendering buildings, things like that for you know street circuits. I don't think an out an open thing here where they're trying to be as accurate as possible. I don't think they can scan that all either and make the art and everything with it. It's it's one thing to do it in a video game. It's another thing when they're trying to do it as accurate as they're trying to do it here. So what if I don't it's know, like what do you guys a, think? Tech, a tech track like Long Beach where they don't do in the, the artwork. They just do the track. I'm just thinking, do you really want them to waste their resource? Like, oh, sorry, not waste their resource, but use their resources on something that is not, you're not racing against somebody. You're basically just time trialing all the time. So right. it's... It's one thing, you know, I say leave it in the video game areas and the, those type of things. I don't think it's something that we need, but that's just my opinion. Some people might want to race that way, but maybe if it's a tech track, but I just think it would be a waste of resources if we use it as a tech track. Yeah, the people who are fanning, fanning over this and wanting to see something like this or just wanting to see any street course come on, probably. I don't think it would get uh, used. I mean, people would probably try it like a one-off one kind of thing. You know for fun but then after that you know you'd probably never run it again you know kind of thing because like well, you said you're not racing other people. the other thing is i think i can't remember i don't know the exact length of it i'll look it up here while we're uh going over stuff but people have a hard enough time memorizing a two or three mile track i think it's over 10 or 15 miles that they drive like you, you know you screw up once you're off and and the other thing there is there's no barriers, so you fall off a hill and go off the cliff. To your, what do you do? What, you're that, dead. what happens to the car, right? It just resets back to the pit. Start over. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Let's keep moving. Uh, David Hall, tell us about Lando Norris sim racing secrets. But you give it, you give the video a watch, and some of the some of the secrets are not so secret, but it's really good seeing a a pro do this. Some of them were really nice. I I definitely am going to pick up some of his uh tactics with the steering wheel on how he's delaying the apex with the steering wheel uh they talk about trail braking quite a bit which used to about on any sports car or open wheel car uh but it's a nice video where you can see his just like greg does with his streams you can see lando's pet feet work and see exactly what he's doing to get around those tracks and he uses the sim rig a lot when he's practicing and also in this case to help educate other drivers it was fascinating. Um, the the YouTube is Driver Sixty One Sim Racing, and the guy who's dissecting it is very good too because he he understands. But they basically have the video of him on iRacing Lando, and they they they're showing the part where you know it has a throttle and the brake and the steering, and they're analyzing that as he's going around the track, you know. And it's interesting. Uh, some like you said, some of the concepts of of not you know turning the wheel so sharp until you're at the apex or something like that. And there was this other thing about trail braking you were talking about. Uh, lots of uh, little tips that I think would work. That's a good video for anybody to check out. It's only about a six-minute view. 
Yeah, see, I, I watched it, and I already forgot all that because I guess I'm not a road racer. But when I watched it, I was pretty fascinated about what I was uh, learning. And it was stuff that I didn't really realize. It's very subtle, the stuff he's showing. Like, he goes to the gas, you know, halfway, and then he stabs it to 100%. And they're talking about that stab motion and how that needs to be quick, you know, in this particular car and whatnot. Yeah, it will depend on which car you're in. Uh, we, you know, we we haven't had to do it as much this year with our car, the Cup car, but particularly last year's model, you really had to steer with the gas more than you st- steered with the throttle. Hadn't been the case this year, except maybe at Phoenix. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, David, tell us about another guy who needed some uh, sim equipment. So we have a disabled vet looking for used and affordable equipment. He had a G29 he was running with or a G27. It went out on him. He bought it used, and he's def- definitely low budget. And he, he was asking um, what kind of deals would be out there, and almost immediately people be, were itching to send him their old equipment. Because a lot of us have equipment sitting around from when we've upgraded, and you know we might sell it to a team teammate for cheap or something like that. But um, he... Uh, Got a lot of offers, and he's probably going to be okay at, at this point. Yeah, it was amazing. The thread took off, and uh, the guy got hooked up with a bunch of free equipment from everybody in the forums uh, taking care of this uh, guy who just wants to race. And once again, the community comes together. Yep. All right. And, uh, David, I see how you even posted on there trying to offer to help, too. Yeah, I have I have my old G27 sitting around the pedals. The pedals aren't perfect. You would have to take them apart and fix the potentiometers on them again. But uh, the wheel is, you know, it's still functional. It's definitely old, though. It, it might last him a year or it might last him a day. All right, Greg, Black Friday comes early. So uh, they posted on the Facebook page first, I guess, here, uh, iRacing Facebook page, that 50% off for new members, I guess, on all their deals. So I'm going to the website here. Um, so if you got 50% off uh, new members, $6.50 for a month, $16.50 for three months, 55 bucks for a year, and 99.50 for two years. Man, that's a good pricing for the new members. So if you, you know, and if you know anybody that wants to uh, jump on and uh, get going here, uh, it's fifty percent off. Wow, what a deal uh, to get started! I mean, one year, fifty-five bucks. Then, if you know, let's say your budget's a hundred, fifty-five gets you a year, and then you could buy a few cars and tracks to go with it, and you could be under a hundred bucks. I mean, look at what people are paying for Call of Duty and stuff. I mean, iRacing is affordable. And we were having that discussion last week, right? Like it's, you know, there's there's a perfect time of year to buy. Like I'm, I know a lot of us wait till certain times to get our year subscription. But anybody that's looking to start up, that you know, you might have a wheel or something already at home for something else you're using. You know, you can get a year and only pay fifty five bucks, like you said, and you can go racing for a while. Or it's time to get that second account, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a good call too. All right. Let's keep moving. I got World of Outlaw Champs get to run with Boyer and Bell. And this was a surprise, but um, this week we saw on social media that iRacing World of Outlaw Champions Alex Bergeron and Blake Matulis got to run at the dirt track at Charlotte. Uh, Alex made laps working with Christopher Bell, and Blake got some coaching from Clint Boyer. Uh, There was a lot of info from the event on Twitter and uh pictures and videos of the guys uh you know tearing it up man and alex was uh kicking butt apparently his uh, lap times were right with christopher uh do you guys see the pictures and stuff uh pretty amazing they always do a 
Yeah, it's really nice to see that uh, they're, you know, they keep following all this. They keep posting stuff up and they just keep, they keep promoting iRacing stuff through all these things and going out and even NASCAR drivers going out to deal with these guys. It's, it, it's great to see that this is what has grown over the last couple of years. It's pretty much as big of a prize as the cash getting to, oh, to get hung, hang out get with the guys. introduction. Yeah. You know, when you talk to Clint Boyer, you're talking to an owner of a dirt team. I mean, you could be talking to your next boss. Well, and then you also get, you know, when you're talking to, to Bell, you know, someone that, you know, young and been doing it, you know, getting more tips from them and things now, like that. Look at the video that was Twittered by the dirt track. Uh, Christopher Bell is uh, caught on video here giving uh, tips to Alex Bergeron while Alex is uh, sitting there listening intently. Uh, and Christopher is saying basically uh, how to stay on the, he's basically saying to stay on the throttle 100% and just kind of breathe it a little bit getting in is basically what he's telling him to do. And he's kind of, you know, talking to him, you know, what to do when he gets out there. And I don't think Alex needed to know. I, I saw some Twitters from Alex uh, later after he was done and uh you know thanking christopher and everybody at iRacing for the opportunity and uh he was saying that he ran the dirt track at charlotte um on iRacing before he uh came to charlotte and uh he said it was identical uh as far as the handling of the car and the the throttle input and that kind of stuff very cool opportunity for him and Blake. Uh, and and how about Christopher Bell? I mean, he's fighting for a championship here. He's got two races left. And what does he do? He's spending time, you know, with this kid, you know, from iRacing. Pretty cool. You can't focus all the time. You gotta, you know, they they got their obligation, and, and sometimes it's even fun to just get away and do things like this. All right, let's keep moving. David, Josh Rogers showing off. Yeah, you don't think he won enough this year? Well, he takes another one. He picks up an insane win in the V8 supercars, crossing the line first in the grass, coming off the last turn after there were collisions uh, throughout the lap. Uh, I caught the announcer saying that he was on three-lap old tires, I guess, compared to some of the other guys. I didn't see what I didn't pay attention to which track it was, but this is an insane finish. And listening to the announcer, it just it it's uh, it's pretty action-packed. Just a really neat finish. Okay. Uh, next up, we have uh, articles at enascar.com's uh, Steve Lavender from Trading Paints uh, is putting up a series of articles uh, basically to talking about the peak drivers and uh, their seasons uh, this year. And uh, he's going through all 40 of them, and uh, uh, pretty cool. Uh, check that out. Good to uh, have an in-depth look of, at each driver. I mean, obviously, the further he gets down, the more in-depth you see things like, you know, there's um, there's the odd things in the top 30 to 40. You know, there's only a one winner in the t- in there. They, you know, he obviously got a win, and then you know it was still a struggle of a season for him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I lost the script. Uh, who's next? Uh, I think uh, we're, we're going to talk about that. Uh, iRacing is looking for a production. Oh, that's right. Yeah, help mm-hmm. wanted. Help wanted. Uh, the responsibility including things like helping with the driver's lines, race control, laser scanning, quality assurance. So this isn't actually producing uh, videos. This is producing the actual content uh, within the sim. Uh, so if you're into software design, especially on the artistic side, this sounds exciting. This is an amazing uh, job description if you open it and read it. I, I would love to have this job. And now if you're an iRacer, and you're really into it, this might be the job for you. I mean, 
Uh, some of the responsibilities, I'm going to read them. Driving lines. Drive the sim in a defined manner to create what are known as driving lines. These lines interact with our race control systems and AI and iRacing. Each track has several of these and each take a careful and consistent approach to create. It is important that these lines are driven by experienced sim racers who are in their upper 20% skill-wise compared to their peers. Race control. Populate race tracks with checkpoints, pit stalls, racing grids, and many other various components that make up the systems necessary for racing. Candidates must understand racing thoroughly to be able to do this work well. Ideally, the candidate is a long-term fan of both oval and road racing and watches these races regularly. Laser scanning. You're going to be involved in going to do laser scanning. Uh, testing and track modeling and Looks like it, it sounds awesome. Yeah, definitely at least have to have a bachelor's degree or enough experience for something along those lines of those uh, positions, uh, 3D software skills, being able to manage time well, uh, background in scan, scanning technology or game development or uh, quality assurance. So you definitely need to be somebody who's experienced in software development. Man, it's awesome. Anybody that lives in the Massachusetts area, you know, that has these qualifications. This is definitely a good job to uh, be looking at because um, you can even have travel involved and you go to you get to go to racetracks. But well, you're not really bogged down in coding, so to speak, or software development. You're really involved in the racing side of it too. I thought that's kind of cool. It's like a it's like a more elaborate tester. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, we got a bunch of Twitter hits here uh, late, uh, so let's go through these. Uh, first, uh, Greg, tell us we had a Dale Jr. sighting. So, um, trying to get the guy's name here coming up. Uh, Bar, uh, his Twitter handle is uh, bcow15, uh, so it's Baron Co. Um, was racing side-by-side, side, I guess, with uh, Jr., for a full lap, uh, I guess uh, what he posted here, just drove iRacing with Dale Jr. at Talladega. He was P1 and I was P2. We drove side-by-side side for one-plus laps. I can retire now. guess he's happy, and uh, it was nice to see uh, him post that. So I'm trying to figure out what series this is. It must be Carb Cup because uh, the only, that's the only thing that was at Talladega. So I think it's a Carb Cup race. And a then, couple of weeks ago, we were actually at Talladega, and I remember one of our other teammates saying that they were in a practice session with him. I don't remember if they ran the actual split with him or not. He was in an NIS practice room. What's the likelihood of an Earnhardt being on a restrictor play track? And being at the front. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess, uh, I don't know who Instagram account this uh, is. It's but Ethan Adams. Ethan Adams. Okay. So I saw Adams on the back of the car. So uh, he uh, posted a pic where he's drafting Earnhardt in front of him. And uh, it's actually a really nice picture from that angle. Just uh, kind of posted on Instagram. So thank, thanks, Ethan Adams. All right, well, Junior's on the service, guys. Get out there and race with him. All right, uh, the next one is Greg Hill uh, from iRacing, the marketing manager. He po he uh, twittered for the first time in a while today a picture of uh, talking about Lernerville Speedway, which will be available in the December build. And he posted up a picture of a tow truck, and it's an interesting old-looking tow truck, uh, that has like a guardrail on the sides and the front and back of it. Uh, and what do you guys think of this? I actually twittered Greg back and told him, dude, I think we want to race the tow truck. It, I guess uh, Dustin McGrew uh, has been going back and forth with Greg Hill, giving him some info on the actual um, tow truck itself and what uh, is going on with it here. 
So in iRacing, the truck is just part of the, uh, you know, it'll just sit there, obviously. It's part of the look. Yeah, but I guess it, it paces the field for, uh, it's paced the field before and things like that. So, man, it would be interesting. It would be really nice if, if that's the case, that they've taken this, if it's something where they're learning the history there. If I was Greg, what I would do, I'd incorporate that into that track as the pace car. Right. Why can't they do that? That'd be great. What do you mean if you are, if you was Greg, aren't you Greg? Greg Hill, sorry. <laughs> Thank you, David. But yeah, there is a video here by Dustin McGrew that shows that uh, tow truck with the guardrails down the side pacing off the field, sure enough. That um, think... looks straight out of some pop post-apocalyptic movie. It's now, pretty cool. where they park the truck, is that why it's got the guardrails on it, or is it just that bad of racing that he's got to worry about getting hit? You know, uh, hit everything but the pace car. You've heard that before. But yeah, maybe uh, they needed to do that to protect their pace truck. Did they put it on after Juan Pablo hit the jet dryer? Well, Earnhardt hit a pace or hit a tow truck on in their garage, did he not? Or is that Danica? Okay. Next up, uh, Steve Myers is posting up some stuff today. Uh, they're switching offices in the Boston area. They're moving into a, some better digs, and they're you know he's cleaning out his office and posting on Twitter stuff he's finding that he hasn't seen in years and years and years. And uh, some of the interesting stuff is um, he posted up a video of the papyrus prototype that they did uh, using Simpson characters. So they were working on a Mario Kart kind of uh, race game, but with the Simpsons driving. Now, this is right before iRacing started when they were papyrus. I'm guessing the reason that they used the Simpsons here is because at that time, if, I, if it's right before they started doing iRacing, it might have been a right. There was a very popular game, video game called uh, Simpsons Hit and Run. And uh, I'm thinking maybe they were trying to capitalize on that, that maybe in with a licensing agreement, maybe eventually down the road. Well, there's another tweet he put here. Uh, this is a fascinating piece of history. Did you know that Papyrus closed? Uh, before Papyrus closed, we had a fully functioning level of Mario Kart type console game using our physics model. It was super fun and Vivendi didn't green light it because they had just finished the Crash Bandicoot. And that was, yeah, so that is, that, then that was a big hit uh, on the PlayStation console. So a little uh, sim racing history today. Uh, for you guys, I like the uh, some of the comments in there. Um, looking at uh, someone put, "Wow, the new iRacing tracks look great. Uh, the driving physics for these prototypes are so good." All right, we're gonna jump to hardware software. Greg, we got a, a real helmet. So it's a Bell uh, Bell helmets, which you know, obviously a lot of racing competitors use Bell helmets, uh, certified helmets. Um, so this is an iRacing branded one and logoed one. Um, very beautiful helmet, uh, the way it's done. It's, you know, tastefully done. And uh, so it's uh, $872 Canadian. 600 US. So um, if you want to order one for, you know, racing or your own actual racing, uh, uh, they're calling it the K1 Pro uh, type helmet. So uh, you can go to uh, bellracing.com and order your iRacing helmet. I don't know. This what do you guys one, think of uh, it? They gave this to Zach Novak, the champ, a couple weeks ago. We talked about, uh, and now it's for sale, and you can buy that same helmet for six hundred bucks. I love it. I was thinking, man, I want to buy this and put it in my office on my desk, you know, as like a just something to look at. Well, if you're streaming now, you could have it on. You could wear it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have a I have a motorcycle helmet that I thought of once that, but I didn't think it would be a good idea. 
I mean, they, they even say in the description, the K1 Pro is a perfect all-purpose helmet that can be used in various iRacing disciples, including stock car, road racing, open wheel, dirt track, prototype, etc., etc. And so they even say it's, you could use it for iRacing. So I guess they're, uh, they're saying it's in stock, but available December 6, 2019. Somebody send that to my wife, uh, Christmas idea. Okay, David, we got some uh, Jinx shifters. I put... It's some new shit that Joe doesn't own yet. <laughs> yeah, Joe just bought a ridiculously expensive shifter, and I'm tempted to get one with the way the the, the one I have likes to act up every once in a while. Though this I think, is the one to get. I think I've got it fixed. Well, my question is, why would you need this for iRacing? This has got like four different uh, arms on it, and it looks more like something you would need if you were trying to operate a crane or something. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean... So let's describe it for our audio listeners. I mean, it's all metal. It's, uh, you know, we've talked about Jinx shifters in the past, and they're really high quality. This is super, super high quality. I mean, you couldn't get more. It's all metal and whatnot. Uh, there's four levers, like David said, and they're for different things, but they're all mounted together on the same device. And so uh, it's $1,650, and you can see it at jinxshifters.com. Yeah, the the heavy the biggest shifter that's kind of in the middle it even has a trigger uh, somewhat on it that it has to do with I guess locking it in different positions. So what exactly use all four of these for? Is what I was. Thinking. It has to be heavy construction machinery. <laughs> I, Greg, you've had some experience. Would you use something like this on a truck? No, I'm wondering. I'm so, wondering. Okay, if so it's you got like... handbrake, sequential shifter. There's two of them. Brake bias, maybe a third one. Yeah, I guess there's maybe different types you can use it for as levers instead of knobs. I guess bar. it's a, I guess it's like leave a lever instead of a knob, right? Right. It'd but be the same thing. None of these are H pattern; they're all sequential. Yeah, but if you have it like right in the center, so say your brake bias is maybe at zero, if you push it forward, it goes negative or positive, and vice versa, right? You could program it that way. I love it. I mean, I would buy this. But if I, I don't know, I, I, I would like it because I, I always wanted to have all those different things, but to buy them individually is just too much. But to have it all in one package, you know, and just buy one thing. And if you can find a way to mount it, you're good to go. It's okay. We'll just tell Joe Owen to get it, to test it and he'll buy it. He'll buy anything. Yeah. So something Joe doesn't own because this is brand new. Uh, so I love the colors too. And uh, just the quality it really looks high end. Okay. Let's keep moving. I got, uh, we knew about this one, but it's the uh, F1 Lewis Hamilton uh, rig. And uh, basically, uh, hold on, I gotta get the link up. No, I'm not, I'm sorry, it's not the rig, it's the wheel. And so it's from speedmaxracing.it. And at that website, it's 689 euros. You can get a replica Formula uh, One Lewis Hamilton wheel and apparently it's supposed to look like the wheel that he uses it is available for pre-order this is a brand new offering i think that they've offered since the uh, formula one is wrapping up and uh yeah he check just it won, out he just won the championship again yeah so it will uh, hook to a the entire logitech g series and thrustmaster with special adapters pretty cool all right what's next uh greg so we got uh, R and L or RL Racing Premium Sim Racing. So this is I've gone on this site. Obviously, you have to translate it because it's uh, 
I'm not sure what language it was in there, but uh, it's they're offering a lounge experience at uh, Circuit Zandavort. Uh, so I guess at the top, above the pit lane, they have an experience where you can uh, rent out a room, and uh, looks like in the pictures they're showing um, it looks like four rigs that are on full access or full ac- um, fully mounted rigs that. Uh, oscillate in all the directions it's the it's the you know big shock rigs it looks like it's like hovering on four separate shocks that are gonna swing you around it's got triple monitors um and you can rent out this area uh for party you can rent out as an individual for at the racetrack um it's it's a really uh interesting idea i guess you know to create a different room at a race at a race what do you guys think about this idea about renting out for an event I guess it's you know it would be good to sell iRacing or anything with it. Well, Maybe even you got sponsors, you know, and booths and tents, you know, at the race events, and I'm sure the sponsors and and those kind of people would eat this stuff alive. This is not just any cockpit. This is like a major, major motion rig with some. I mean, I want to call it severe motion because the length of these uh, shock absorber things that these that the whole thing is attached to is extreme. I mean, you, the, the cockpit is like literally up in the air. I'm trying to see if I can find this rig somewhere here. Uh, it's amazing, the, the look of the rig. I posted a picture of it in our team chat this week. Uh, what's also cool is the triple monitors are part of the rig and they move with it. So everything moves. So that's kind of a neat thing. But uh, they do show some pictures and video of, of the room that Greg spoke about at Circuit Zandvoort. And uh, people trying out the motion rigs and stuff. And uh, apparently you can buy them. I haven't been able to find a price, though. Interesting debate in the comments about uh, whether the monitor should move the motion or not. Right. It's a, I was thinking the other day, with all these rigs that move, is, um, and if you mount, like, some of them have it, you know, you got one line that runs to your, C, or your monitor, or not your monitor, but your cpu unit and everything down below or whatever or do you have your unit moving with it like if it's jostling around equipment would that not you know wear out your equipment for i would think uh, so graphics cards and things like that sooner the the base probably sits the the tower probably has to be outside of them i just know that they're all different right like there's all kinds of ways of doing it right it sure is, man. What's right? And like David was saying, do the mo- should the monitors move with the rig or not? There's a good uh, argument to say that they shouldn't. Well, if they do, you need to be tracking tracking it like head movement, so that when they move, they're showing what should be in that location instead of your. Otherwise, what's the point of the motion? All right, let's keep moving. Uh, this one is amazing. We got a website 21performance.com spelled out 21performance.com. And they are a, uh, a simulator team, uh, and they have motion sims, home simulators, uh, commercial simulators. Uh, the commercial one is amazing. They got like a, a triple projector screen with, that, with a half screen and a half circle with like a ALMS chassis uh, that you're sitting in in front of it. Uh, man, they got some pretty cool stuff. I guess you can you can get tutored on how to, uh, or like tutor lessons on it there's simulation to tuition um man i guess you know there's all these things are being opened up because of simulation race or sim racing now and i guess if you you could you know and if you're really good at it you could uh 
you know, create a career out of it, uh, you know, teaching people how to race with simulators too, I guess, for what they're trying to offer here. Yeah, go, hit the simulator link at the top and then scroll to the bottom and check out that picture. Uh, they call it data analysis. And they literally have the sim in one room and then they have like a control room with a, a glass window. And then they have like, you know, a place for technicians to be sitting at computer terminals watching you run the sim rig. Uh, it's amazing the setup they got. It almost reminds you of what they do. Well, it's basically set up the same way as like a, a sim room would be for... Like a Chevy or a Toyota. Uh, even like F1 uses. They have a big, right. pro like the big projection screen in front. You got the body of the car, so it feels like you're in it. And then it projects on the screen. Like it's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, this is kind of what I would consider like a private uh, sim setup, similar to what Chevy and Toyota is doing in North Carolina for the cup guys. I really wish they would give a... That one side picture of the car that they got there in the, under that simulation page, I wish they'd show what this would look like right there in that picture of with it running. I just would love to see what that screen is showing. Yeah, this is Essex, uh, uh, UK, I believe. That screen covers 186 degrees. All right, David, tell us about the Dramon Racing Center. All right. You want to get a few friends together and be able to uh, trash talk each other face to face? Uh, this is the place you want to go. Uh, I can't find a location on the website, but I'm guessing .no is probably Norway. Uh, but yep. they ha they have eight motion full motion rigs set up. Um, you can book for birthdays, bachelor parties, company events. There's gift cards. Um, it's pretty impressive looking. It's too bad it's in Europe. Man, that looks awesome. You know, it's like a you know, like you said, a place to go, and it's like an amusement center kind of restaurant kind of. And they got these awesome, awesome cockpits. I. I, I've never seen these particular motion cockpits before, but what's interesting and what's kind of unique is they have like a plexiglass around the driver kind of windows, I guess they are, they, they're trying to simulate. I don't know. It's pretty cool. And one of the, one of the shots in the little promo video actually shows some VR as well. Uh, and good guess, David, it is Norway. Yep. Uh, so check out that if you're in Norway. That looks like fun. DramanRacingCenter.no. Uh, Okay, uh, we're going to do one more before we uh, move on to NIS results. Uh, this one is an Italian cockpit, and uh, it's at drivegameseat.it. And uh, it's an 80-20 cockpit. It's kind of interesting. Um, they use some flat metal, though, for the uprights for the pedals and for the steering. Instead of 80-20, they use a, more of like a flat uh, sheet metal kind of look. But the what do you think of that seat? Man, the seat is like the lowest profile I've ever seen. It, it doesn't it, look comfortable. It's, it's simple, but I, I don't know if I liked how the way that sit. Like, it almost is leaning back towards the F1 style. If you look at it, it's almost... That is yeah, the F1 is, style. Yeah, it is the F1 style from what I'm getting from the side view here. So it, I don't, I would love to actually sit one of these rigs and see how comfortable they are with the F1 style. I, I don't know uh, anybody, we don't race with any of the guys that have an F1 style rig, but uh, if there's any listeners out there that actually try have these F1 style sitting uh, positions, let us know how it, you know, how comfortable it is in long distance and things like that. I'd like to actually know um, how that down. position is, right? Yeah, when I was researching my rigs, I eventually came up with, Somebody said that if, you, if you're choosing between one or the other or you're going to be running both, just go with the GT style. 
because really the only it's only necessary to lean back that much if the cockpit requires it. The, the the optimal racing position is the GT style where your where your legs are kind of straightforward, but your body is still a little little bit more straight up rather than lean back so far. Right. I mean, the reason the F1 guys are laying down is because that's the design of the car for aerodynamics, right? To kind of crawl into it like a sleeping bag. I've, I'm loving my rig, not just for the stability, but the comfort. I've done several triple stints on some endurance races and used to, if, if I tried to do that in my office chair, I would be in pain from just getting uncomfortable and I, I just don't anymore. Okay, 1,300 euros. Check that out. Let's uh, move on to the NASCAR iRacing Series. Last week, Texas. Thursday fixed. Uh, Nick, you and I ran. Uh, man, you were knocking on the door. You were leading laps. You were leading late, actually, but got wrecked out P13. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a tough one in the end there. I was you know, definitely trying to show that, uh, what I could bring to the table for you guys, even though it was a fixed series in terms of you know just race strategy. And uh, just was a bad deal. I, I got loose. I clipped the apron. The guy was holding me down, and I slid up and up and up and didn't give me any room and right-reared me. So that ended that deal. Well, you were in position. Uh, and so after that, I uh, took advantage. I ended up P2. At Texas, I was running actually top 10, top 5, basically most of the race. I got turned going down the straight by some dude on the back street. Like, I, I wasn't even in the corner. We were going straight, and he turned me. Uh, that same dude was the same guy who wrecked out Nick later uh, in his uh, incident. But uh, anyway, I was way back on a late caution. So guess what? I stayed out, and I took the lead on a green-white checker while everybody else pitted. I think me and one of the guys stayed out, but I was the leader on the first green-white checker. So, uh, man, I ended up almost winning. I had 25 lap-old tires. Uh, one guy got by me, and I got P2. Man, I am never, never, never going to pit on a green-white checker like that. Never. Take that risk, because this ain't the old car. If it was the old car, you'd spin out for sure, but not in this car. I had no problem holding. I, and, and honestly, when I made that move, I was hoping, hey, I was thinking, you know, I'll probably fall back to 5th or even 10th, but that's still better than where I was running, which was like 17th or something. And so um, it was a good risk to take. I told Nick at the time, hey, man, I'm taking this risk. It's an easy, easy call for me, and it paid off. Uh, man, I almost stole one from him. All right, and then Friday open, Tony Rochette uh, wrecked again. He said he can't stay away from other people's garbage. Uh, Greg, uh, you said you blew up from minor damage. Yeah, I blew up from uh, a, a bump on a straightaway. Um, the other problem was is before that I got, um, we have a saying on the team, and I, I won't say it here, but uh, I got uh, in a wreck because of somebody going three wide underneath somebody. As I entered the corner like we were going too wide, and someone went underneath the guy that was below me to make it three wide so that it just didn't work and I got spun sideways and I went to the back and I think I got clipped by somebody and had minor damage and then it just eventually just blew up so eh, what can you do I you know, I don't I don't know what else we can do we'll just go back and try this week I like Phoenix so we'll get the one sh race in I get uh, tonight and see how it goes okay Sunday open uh, Tony Rochette P11 uh, was fast tried to stay away from garbage but couldn't no speed uh, congrats on Joe on his first NIS win this year, we were both fast. And sure enough, Joe Owen, who is part-time in the NIS series, uh, he got his first win of the year, P1. Congratulations to Joe for getting it done. 
And then David, you were on your way to a win. What happened? I was robbed. Plain you got P2. Yeah, I got P2. Uh, was on the way to the win, led the last 24 laps. I uh, had two late cautions. I was able to survive the first restart, but the second restart, the guy on the outside was able to just beat me back to the line. Um, I definitely had a long run set up, and he had, he had not only did he have that, he had fresher tires because I was doing the same thing you did towards the end there. I stayed out. Uh, if the cautions had not come out, I was I was several seconds in the lead with, with coming with like uh, I think twelve laps to go, to the two late cautions just couldn't hold them off. So you know it's frustrating, but it's, I'll, I'll take the. Well, it's it's comforting though to know that you would have won if there wasn't a late caution, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is comforting. All right, uh, Sunday fixed. Uh, Nick, you and I ran. Uh, you got P23, you got passing under the yellow and lost uh, at least a couple laps because of that. Yep, that was a good rookie mistake for me to make. I uh, was frustrated. I was looking for the car that was supposed to pass me. We were getting to pit lane, and you know you don't want to give up any extra time than you have to, and people don't catch up to the field. And I didn't see him, didn't see him, didn't see him, and I wasn't going to stop. I went down pit lane, and sure enough, he still hadn't passed me, and it gave me passing under the yellow. So I really hurt myself on that one. Yeah, those are tough to swallow. Uh, we were kind of talking about at, right after that uh, how to minimize the damage, and I was telling you to be last in line by pitting with the one to go and letting everybody get in front of you, and then and then pulling off as we take the to serve your penalty. But I but you actually missed pit road and weren't able to do that, so you ended up losing multiple laps. But uh, bummer. Yeah, you got to that'll happen to you a few times. It's hard to to get over it. I ran. I got P nineteen. I got caught up in a few wrecks. Uh, I had. No front end is what they kept telling me. Was still fairly fast and was able to run with the leaders. Uh, I got as high as fourth uh, late in the race, but got taken three wide and pushed up into the wall. So 19. Let's move on to Phoenix. Uh, David, you got a P19 on Wednesday open. Yeah, the car started a little tight. I loosened it too much. I self-spun in three and four, and I had it mostly collected. I had basically come to almost a complete stop right against the left left pit wall uh, and was starting to roll forward, collecting it. Didn't even think the caution was going to come out, but somebody right behind me spun in the exact same spot right into me and knocked me right back into traffic, and it uh, at that point, it... I got hit in the front and had like I was down to like 1600 RPMs and I limped around on the lead lap because it was a caution fest and finished 19th. Okay, and then Nick, you had even a worse race, P26. Yep, and it was one of those deals where I thought, you know, early in the race we'd ride around in the back and work our way up and it seemed to be working, but uh, there were just wrecks everywhere I went, everywhere I tried to go in the field. If I was in the back, they were wrecking four cars ahead of me. If I was in the mid-pack, they were wrecking in the top five. And uh, I think I had 20 incident points in that race, and a lot of it, I would lock down the brakes and get hit from behind. So people just not looking far enough ahead or can't see around the corner with how flat the banking is here. Um, and eventually, on the last wreck, trying to just salvage a top 20, I lost power from a bad breaker and a bad power strip in my house. So uh, got that fixed, at least. Dang. Yeah, losing power. That's bad. All right, uh, Thursday Open. I'll tell you about bad. Uh, I went to go race the Thursday Open, and my computer wouldn't stay on. I've had this intermittent problem for weeks now where it just turns off. Like, I'm using, I'm not doing anything major. I'm not ga- uh, gaming or anything. I'm, like, on Google Chrome. It'll just turn off and, uh, and just crash, and it wouldn't stay booted. And so in the past, it was intermittent enough where I could get it up to, to actually race. 
But in this case, I actually missed the freaking race. And I can't tell you the last time I missed a race due to a hardware issue. I'm usually proactive enough to get equipment in place before stuff fails. But in this case, I wasn't. So I blew it. And so I started to try to fix it by reinstalling Windows. And Windows 10 has like a million different ways of doing that. And um, first I tried it by saving the files and apps. And it didn't fix the problem. And so then I tried to figure out a way to do it where it erases the, the hard drive and starts over. You know, no apps, no files. And it, every time I did it, it would say I'm doing it, but then it didn't actually do it. But I finally found a way to do it, and uh, I erased everything. I spent seven hours basically reloading my computer and getting it up and running uh, so I could run the Thursday fixed race. And so I ran that, and I ended up getting uh, wrecked out. It was on my own. Uh, I think it was because I didn't have my stuff calibrated correctly. I had been rushing, trying to get uh, ready for the race and get all my stuff installed and get it back configured the way I like it and everything. It was just so much stuff to do that I just kind of blew it. and I had too much wheel in it, and I just wrecked. Uh, Nick, you went on to finish P20 in that race. Yeah, we actually got a green flag pit cycle in there, almost. Um, I think I had probably 10 laps left on fuel. And I heard some of the leaders start pitting, so I decided I would short pit with them and see what kind of track position I could gain. And lo and behold, about five laps after that, people were still getting ready to cycle in, and we had a wreck. So that stuck me a lap down, and uh, there was another um, lap car ahead of me. So, But he was about a half a track ahead of me, and I couldn't get to him, and so... Uh, Wound up P20 on a green-white checkered later in the race. I mean, I spent probably 50 laps trying to get that lap back and get back into the top 10. Where were you running before the, the caution d destroyed that? Um, well, I had to work my way up. As we had talked, I was going to start in the back again, and I would gotten around you before your incident, which was about pretty early, I think. So I'd gotten up to about P13, P12, so I was riding around right up there in the top 15 for most of the night. Yeah. Yeah, ask uh, Kyle Larson about Bubba Wallace causing a caution in the middle of green flag stops. It can destroy your day, I mean, even if you're running good. Um, but like you said, you get stuck a lap down, there's no way to get it back. All right, so we're going to run open tonight, and about 45 minutes from now, I'm hoping to, to get a finish uh, because I missed uh, the Thursday open. So uh, knock on wood, we're going to get something good. Uh, David, you got a uh, charity race to talk about. Yeah, uh, with our GTS, GTSL friends, we've been running with them, or at least I have, on some endurance races. Uh, they, I was on Saturday, or actually no, Sunday, and, and suddenly Jack was calling out, uh, we need somebody to fill in, somebody bailed out. And so I ended up saying, well, I got a jazz band rehearsal, but I can get back in the evening and practice probably for about an hour and run one of your last stints. And so that's what I ended up doing. It was a, it was my first time competing in the Corvette. It was at Daytona, so I, I did at least know the track. Um, so they got, I got about one hour's worth of practice in, and also Jack came in and watched my stream actually a little and gave me a little coaching on how to handle the throttle. And it, it was actually very educational because the way you treat it with the throttle is, is very different than you do with a stock car or a GT car. Um, and it just kind of flipped the switch, and now I can drive the Corvette. Also, I think it, it, you probably heard me before complain about the Corvette because I've never been able to drive it. I think also having the rig made it a lot more drivable as well. Okay, cool. I, and I kept the car on the track and kept and held our position. Just lost a few seconds to the leader, and we were about eight laps in front of P3. All right. 
Let's get into Final Thoughts. Final Thoughts is sponsored by All-Star Graphics, where you can get all your personal and team racing stickers, wraps, banners, and t-shirts. All-Star Graphics out of Claysburg, PA. Uh, We did our stickers. uh, They mailed out yesterday to everybody. Uh, We sent several international as well as the U.S. and Canada. Um, Congratulations to all the winners. I I put the first sticker on the back of my truck. And I think it looks pretty dang good. And so I, I'm happy to be the first person to actually use one of the stickers. And uh, I'm looking for every, all the listeners to get them. Put it on social media. We want to see where you're going to stick the sticker. Okay? So please uh, take a picture and put it out there and share it with us. Uh, David Hall, final thought. Marching season's over. Glad to be back. Uh, though the big negative is NIS is also almost over and um i've had had a really fun nis season and i'm not looking forward to not having those those races to run throughout the week do follow me though on twitch uh, i keep forgetting to plug this greg remembers to plug his all the time i need followers Tw- uh twitch.tv slash or you always post the link right to tofosi racing on facebook and you can watch it there too mm-hmm. okay greg hectus final thought uh just looking forward to tonight's race i've been getting some stuff changing some stuff on my stream for the night tonight um but uh yeah so uh the only thing i got is uh follow me on uh twitch.tv slash frozen cactus frozen with two o's cactus two k's um and yeah i kind of can't wait to see what uh when those stickers turn up uh what they look like i'll have to include it somewhere in my background for my stream yep stickers are in route all right, Nick Williams, uh, special guest. Thanks for coming on the team. Thanks for coming on the show. What are your final thoughts? Well, my final thoughts are uh, just that it's awesome to be a part of the team. You know, I, um, I've i been a listener since I joined iRacing. And so to come from being a listener and learning my race, a lot of my racecraft from you guys to being able to uh, hopefully contribute and help out on this and help out on the races is going to be great. Um, I'm looking forward to NIS tonight see how this uh, open setup handles for us. I'm going to try a different approach and actually race and qualify up front, hopefully, instead of trying to ride around and get collected in other people's business. And uh, can't wait to see those stickers. I've got a nice spot on a dirt track Cavalier for one of those. Yeah, they're bigger than you think. Uh, so uh, pretty cool. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, my final thoughts are Man, the sticker uh, promotion was kind of neat. I'm glad that it's over, though. And uh, But it's neat to uh, connect with those listeners and uh, looking forward to seeing those pictures. Uh, man, my computer, I spent so much money on it. It's only a year old. And uh, I don't know, something corrupted, obviously, in the software because now that I've reloaded Windows uh, and, and reloaded everything fresh, all the drivers, it's not crashing. And so I'm not sure exactly what was wrong, but... Um, I'm happy that it's fixed, and that's a relief. But uh, with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.